Welcome to Season 2, Episode 29 of the Write Right Podcast, your weekly pep talk on living the writing life. I'm John. I'm Craig. And I am Elon. All right, we're here to talk about with Elon today about um, his recent adventure. From July 28th through August 15th, Elon was away on both the Writing Excuses cruise and in Finland for Worldcon 75. In this episode, Elan talks about his experience, and both me and Craig will do all the question asking. I think uh, to start, Elan, why don't you tell us what Worldcon and the Writing Excuses cruise are, for those who don't know. Sure. So, um, Worldcon is the one of the largest uh, science fiction and fantasy conventions specifically geared towards uh, authors um, and, and the publishing industry, uh, much more of the traditional world, although there was a lot of material about self-pub, indie, and hybrid publishing, uh, crowdfunding I went to a panel about. Um, so it's the, it's the largest convention at which the Hugo Awards take place. Um, and uh, the Writing Excuses Cruise, for those who are not aware, um, Writing Excuses is a podcast that's hosted by Brandon Sanderson, Mary Robinette Kowal, Howard Taylor, and Dan Wells. And they have turned a small retreat that they used to do into a full-on week-long writing-intensive retreat that is also a cruise, or that takes place on a cruise ship. So uh, from July 28th through August 5th, I was on a boat with all these writers, writing all day, and then uh, for like a week and a half after that, I went to Finland, um, and Worldcon was a five-day convention. Cool. Um, so, what was the most helpful advice you learned? I, I want to ask about the writing excuses cruise first, because I know that was very um, workshop focused. Yeah, so the cruise was, um, I, I went into it pretty open-minded. I didn't, uh, you know, like I'd listened to some of their podcast episodes recorded on the cruise, and there's, um, their podcasts are all very, you know, educational, but they're also very conversational. Uh, but I didn't really know what to expect from the cruise. I knew who some of the instructors were. I knew that it, the, like the basic schedule, we were all given a, a pretty thorough outline of what, what to expect on the ship. But the cruise taught me so much more in the sort of interstitial spaces between lectures and between formal settings than I would have expected. Um, I learned a ton from my fellow students and from the uh, random conversations that I ended up having with several of the instructors on the boat. Um, I think as far as, um, there's so, it's sort of a twofer. I'll give two answers about what I learned. Uh, the one more like mechanical thing that I learned um, in regards to world building, uh, there was this fantastic lecture that Aliette de Bodard gave on world building in the minutia. Like uh, in, she called it world building in the small places. And what, what the exercise was, was essentially learn to extrapolate from the world building that you're doing. So say you have like a, you know, a restaurant with tomatoes in it. What does it mean if to a, to a culture, to a society, to an economy, if tomatoes exist and are being eaten regularly by a community? Does it mean that they have other nightshades? Does a community that doesn't have nightshades, would that person who's in this new place fear this strange vegetable thing? Would, you know, like there's so many things that something as simple as a tomato might have uh, in terms of its effect on a larger, on a larger world that 
you can build authenticity into your world by just doing a few of those steps, considering how that affects character, and then bringing that into a thought that a character has, or bringing that into um, just something that's in the scenery or in the background. So there's this small detail that makes the world feel so much more rich. Um, and then the the other thing that I learned was more abstract, I guess, and it was that people, um, like this community really is friendly, um, is deeply interested in what everyone has to say, um, is welcoming in a way that I hadn't expected. Um, there's sort of a, when you're a, a writer, sort of, for lack of a better word, alone, even if you have a community of people online, uh, you can sort of start to build this idea that the, the traditional publishing world is very siloed and uh, it's like a, an insider's club. But I just showed up and everyone was so nice and so welcoming and so warm um, that I that I was blown away. It made me completely change the way that I thought about how the traditional publishing world is structured. Would you say there was a pretty equal mix of people who were pursuing traditional as well as the self-published or hybrid? Yeah, absolutely. Um, one of the instructors has has been very successful as a self-published writer. Um, yeah. So they had they had a wide variety of of folks. Uh, I mean, one of the guys on the cruise is currently kickstarting uh, his third novel. Okay. So there's it was it was wide open. Anyone was welcome, um, and I, I think that it's really easy for us to get uh, just to sort of glom onto an idea that it's an impenetrable wall, but it's much more of like a, like a cell wall that's letting all the good stuff in, keeping all the bad stuff out. Um, mm. So I, yeah, I, I really enjoyed that, that aspect of it. I imagine a lot of people who would go to like, who would go to the writing excuses cruise there if they're self publishing. I mean, it's an example of, if you want to self-publish, you can be very proactive about it and do what any traditional published author would do. So it's really at the same ends, you know, whether you're having a publisher do it or whether you're doing the production yourself, you know, like that probably draws a lot of people who are in that mindset. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think that's another another really good point um, that, that connects to what I learned there, which is that in the same way that discovery writing um, and outlining are two sides of the same coin whereby your discovery writing, it's just what stage are you doing it at? Uh, Self-pub and traditional pub are identical in so many ways. It's just how much of the work of this kind do you want to do? Like, do you want to be a marketing manager and an accountant and a uh, like a design production manager. Um, do you want to do all of these things, or do you want to do the thing where you have to um, query and you're doing a ton of work, and then you're managing partnerships with your agent? Because there's a very strange like talking with agents, especially I found really interesting. Um, I spoke with John Berline quite a bit, who is the uh, head of the Zeno Publishing Agency, which is. Uh, a UK-based agency that represents a lot of American authors, um, including Brandon Sanderson, Peter Brett, like a ton of, of big-name authors get represented in the UK by him. And he was saying that the strangest, one of the stranger things about being an agent is when people are querying you, when authors are querying you with a story, they're doing everything they can to get your attention. And then when you accept that query, they become your employer. Mm. And 
for an author to learn to naturally make that switch from uh, from trying to stand out, get noticed, and and woo an agent to saying, okay, now I am the decision maker. Ultimately, you are working for me. Hmm. Um, is a really strange thing that hadn't occurred to me. Like my the way that I thought about it was like you know I am at the behest of whatever agent I am at the mercy of such and such publisher but the authors it turns out have a lot more say and a lot more power and a lot more respect in that in that in that sphere than i think i ever would have expected based on the way that people talk about querying and the stress and the the feelings of worthlessness that come from rejection um so it was that was a really interesting um twist on on that paradigm or at least my thoughts on it Hmm. Um, okay. I guess I have a question. Mm -hmm. uh, I know you've also done, gone to conventions and conferences that are a lot closer to home. Mm -hmm. Do you find that flying halfway around the world or even like just leaving your city to be beneficial to the conference or convention process? Like, are you able to take in more because you're not at home and you're not worrying about dinner, pets, family? things like that? Like, is there a benefit to going for the addict's expense of traveling? That's a really interesting question. I, I actually never thought about that. Um, but looking back, so I'll, I'll get, I'll separate the Worldcon and, and writing excuses experiences because they were vastly different from one another. And we can get into that a little bit later. Um, but I think for any kind of intensive where you want to really bury yourself in writing such that nothing else comes in, that all the conversations you have are about writing, that all of the work that you're doing while you're there is, is writing related, that in the in-between spaces you're writing and when you're walking, you're thinking about writing and you, you're surrounded by this energy that is so powerfully focused on the single craft, leaving is really good. And that's why they do these things as retreats. That's why Clarion is six weeks away from home in a dorm. That's why writing excuses is a, is a way. Um, that's why all of these things these retreats have such powers because you are literally going to do this one thing in a controlled environment. And that is, uh, you know, immersion is a great way to learn. And if you immerse yourself in writing and writing theory, um, you'll come out of it as, as if you were in a pressure cooker. Um, so I think that, that leaving your comfort zone or leaving your familiar space is actually really important for that environment. So the thing with Worldcon, though, is it was very much a convention uh, in the sense that, you know, a lot of different convention hall idiosyncrasies were there. Like the first couple days, uh, they didn't anticipate the number of people who showed up. And so there wasn't room in any of the actual talks. Like the, the, the capacity for each room was totally over full. They had to figure out something to do. They actually had to stop selling day passes, which is amazing. Like Worldcon fully sold out in a way. Um, in Finland, which they didn't expect at all. Um, and I think that I would have been able to benefit equally from that experience if I was just driving back home. Uh, like next year, Worldcon is in San Jose, which is basically my backyard. And I'm going to go and then I'm going to drive home at night. It's going to be great uh, instead of dealing with the hotel or anything like that. Uh, but maybe I'll get an Airbnb if I want to like do BarCon or something after, you know, if I, if I meet some people and we want to go get drunk, I don't want to drive home all the way. Um, but... That convention, I only went over the five days 
of Worldcon, I went to four panels, which I did not expect. Like I, my, I had like r- rigorous planning that went into my Worldcon schedule. I looked at all these amazing sounding lectures. I was super excited about it. Once it became apparent that I couldn't get into any of them because there were just so many people, I started just to socialize and schmooze and I met a ton of people and I had a much better experience just like introducing myself to people, being introduced by folks from the cruise. Like I like I don't want to just name drop because I think that's silly and we can talk about that at another time, maybe off the record, but like I met so many people. I got to meet people who I really, really admire, who have changed the way I look at certain types of genre just in casual conversation. And that was incredible. And that experience is absolutely worth traveling for. But if it comes to your local town, like it's coming to to my backyard next year, you don't have to travel to go have that experience. So just putting this all together, I mean, what would you say okay, you're back now, back to your writing life and everything. Like, have you noticed something? Or what's the biggest things you've noticed have changed in how you look at and approach writing, like, from this experience? Uh, hmm. Yeah. I think that I feel a lot more comfortable calling myself a writer um, than, than I did before I left. You know, I, it's, it's, that's a really hard question to answer because I do feel very different. I feel, I feel like I leveled up Yeah. and that was kind of my intention was to go and to level up. I didn't realize that I would level up this way where my feelings about my writing and myself as a writer would change as much as my, um, visibility in the, in the world of, of writers at large, I guess. But I just, I feel um, more excited about writing and less tied to the success and failure of individual projects and just more hopeful about the future of genre fiction. I feel so inspired by the entire experience um, and just ready to work. So like um, I got a new job and that job requires that I commute uh, by bus so I have like an hour and a half in the morning and an hour and a half in the afternoon where I'm just sitting on a bus. And uh, if there isn't work to be done for work, then I can just sit and write. And the other day on the way into work, I wrote like 700 words. And on the way back, I wrote another 450. And that can just be my every day of the week now is I have access to this time. Um, and that feels amazing. And to come straight from this experience where I feel so inspired and so ready to work and so interested in craft and honing my craft uh i just feel like i want to i want to just like go as fast and as hard as i can into the into the writing space um but i can't think of anything specific it's just such an overarching change to to the way that i feel about writing well it is a small point but it has huge implications like you like you just mentioned like that little shift because like how you think about yourself I mean I found for me personally like shifting from believing that I can write um I used I used to feel like you know it's a hobby and and I need to just find time to do this because it's never going to pay off right where when you start to think of yourself like I'm a writer and you take it seriously like for me I see it like I'm investing in a long-term 
bank account mm-hmm. that's going to pay off down the road. But sort of that's how I view that time. It's not a hobby where I'm tinkering with stuff that's going to sit in the basement or whatever, right? Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I think that's that's huge. Yeah, I feel um, I feel amazing. <laughs> uh, I. I actually, I, I keep meaning to write uh, a few blog posts for my blog about just like sort of dealing with the experience and and uh, offloading some of this like emotional intensity from from just being crammed together with a bunch of really inspiring, intelligent people for like two and a half weeks, basically. Um, and I just haven't been able to do it. I haven't been able to sit down and and do that. I'm, I'm just still too like wound up from it from the, with the excitement from the experience. Um, which is a strange feeling because it's already been like a couple weeks since I've been back, but I guess everything in, in my life otherwise has been moving rather quickly too. So that might have impacted my ability to, uh, to focus on enough, uh, to write out my thoughts about this, this excursion. Uh, I guess my last question would be, uh, the writing excuses cruise and Worldcon were both very different conventions, and I know you've been to conventions locally as well. If someone's going to, it's a two-part question. If someone is going to go to a convention, what would you suggest they look for when choosing if they want to go to a convention or not? And then the second part of it is how do you prepare yourself to get the most out of it, considering Mm -hmm. it might not be what you thought it would be, such Mm -hmm. as Worldcon for you? Yeah. Um, I think that when you're looking for a convention to attend, your first priority should be, do I want to learn craft or do I want to meet people or do I want to, um, do I want to just like listen to readings? Like there are so many different things that, that a convention can be, um, and for my part, I found the craft and interactive lecture sort of structure of the Writing Excuses Cruise to be much more in line with what I expect and what I want out of my um, writing convention experiences. So I think that your the first priority should be to determine what sort of the, the typical daily experience you want to have is. Do you want it to be panels where you can sort of select, where you're sort of freer to pick and choose what events you want to go to, where you can take time apart if you need it. Do you want to be in intensive lectures? Um, do you want to be somewhere that has uh, like communal areas for just random networking? Uh, the second step, I think, would be to do a bit of research um, and see if you can talk to either people who organize the convention on social media or people who've attended in the past and sort of get their impressions because people are more than happy to share their impressions of conventions um, with others. Um, and then part three for for that would be to uh, decide if it's worth the investment, right? Because there's a lot of investment that goes into this. This trip for me was incredibly expensive and it was for everyone who went. Uh, and that was just because it was across the world and because it was sort of ex- expansive in terms of its time and uh, time and um, everything else associated with that. I mean, it was a cruise. Like it was not, it was not an inexpensive vacation, but I saved for it for a really long time because I knew that it was something that I really wanted to do. Um, So once you make that decision, when it comes to having expectations uh, or preparation, I think that the best preparation that I did 
and this is this might sound like a weak answer, but I I'm gonna stand by this. Uh, the best preparation that I did was to uh, spend a bunch of time talking about it with my therapist. Um, to be frank uh, about you know like the social anxiety and what what am I gonna get out of this and should I be uh, like really gung ho about my brand um, and her her advice to me was actually really sound and it was essentially go in with no expectations and just try to be really positive um, because if you are a positive person and you're just open minded um, and you're ready and willing to just kind of listen. Um, to the interesting stories people have to tell, to tell, um, then you'll benefit a ton, and and I feel like I really did, um, and I I made a a really sincere effort to be positive about everything that happened, with the exception of the amount of shaking on a boat that takes place, because um, I just I, I discovered I don't love boats, um, so I think that uh, do some serious research about what kind of convention is right for you based on what exactly you're looking for. And then um, just prepare yourself emotionally as a vessel for the experience to come into you, as opposed to trying to project something onto it. Allow it to happen at you. Um, protect yourself from things that might be hurtful, but exude a sense of positivity and embody that being that you would like to meet best someone who is just like really animated wants to hear what you have to say about your story um and is really genuine and if you're that person um everyone's going to want to be your friend that's sort of i mean i could echo that from some convention experience before um i mean there are kind of two ways people will be at conventions and one way is like you described where you're projecting all this stuff out and or, you know, wanting an agent to, or an editor to get interested in your book. And then there's the reverse, which is where you're interested in other people. And I mean, I found for myself when I tried to go into like some of the af the parties afterward um, and just ask people about what they do and, and don't have the agenda to talk about all your stuff. It really goes well because mm -hmm. eventually, I mean, they might ask you about your stuff, but I mean, even if they don't, it's, it, there's so much more you could learn than if you just get your own stuff out there. Yeah, I learned a ton. I got I broke through story issues that I was having. I got new ideas for stories. I realized that I just I realized so much about myself and as a storyteller and as a person and as a person who's interested in this craft. Um, I feel like I feel like newly reborn into into writing, um, which is really over the top to say, but I feel like it's actually the case for me. Um, so yeah, I, I, I couldn't recommend it, it, it more highly, uh, provided that it is the thing that you're looking for. Um, Worldcon was a networking experience first and convention later, but a convention second, maybe even third. And writing excuses was strictly about learning craft. Um, and there was actually, at the beginning of that experience, there was explicit uh, warning to not like pitch at folks who were the instructors. Like, do not pitch your stories to them unless they specifically ask you to, um, because we don't want that to be the environment. I thought that was actually really cool. Yeah. Um, so we're a little bit past time, I think. Um, do you guys have any other questions for me? I think that's, yeah, I, I think that covers everything I wanted to ask. Yeah, I got everything I needed. Cool. Thanks for sharing that all. Yeah. Sure. Um, I have some homework for, for our group. 
uh, for our listeners, um, based on one of the coolest assignments we had during the week of the Writing Excuses Cruise, which was to write a 250-word short story. Um, on the cruise, we had a prompt of writing a 250-word sto short story about an underwhelming superpower, which was a fascinating challenge, uh, and I actually really enjoyed it. It pushed my creativity and uh, my brevity to their very limits. Um, and also, it's the kind of thing that trains you to not be so emotionally tied to everything you write. Sometimes you're just writing stuff and it's fun. Like, not everything has to be um, something that is you're sitting down at your typewriter and bleeding, as Hemingway would say. Like, you can just have fun. Um, and so, in the spirit of fun, I learned about these things. I'm, I'm showing the guys on, on the video, but um, I you can't see it, listener. I bought these things called Story Cubes, um, and they are uh, sets of dice that have images on them. So, like, you guys can hear that, probably. So, like, they have little images all, all over them. Uh, and you can roll them like so, um, and then tell a story based on the images and that you can interpret them however you like. Um, and a, a friend of mine that I met at another convention here introduced me to them for the first time and I thought they were terrific fun. So, um, there is a free app. There are a bunch of resources online, these random story plot generators. And so what I'll do in the liner notes is I will share a bunch of these, um, but randomize some story elements for yourself and write a 250-word short story um, with that randomization as a prompt. Um, and even if you do want to extend it later, make a version of it that is only 250 words and is a complete blip, a complete story. Uh, so that is your assignment. Go forth, my friends, and do it. Are we done? Did we finish the episode? I think so. Yeah. All right, cool. <laughs>